Hello, Devils fans and Devils fans only. I don't really care who else is listening to this at this point because we are in a world of mutual suffering as Devils fans. They have dropped consecutive contests to the Islanders this weekend by scores identical 3-2, to two, but the games, while both incredibly disappointing and heart-wrenching, could not have been uh, you know, more different in why they were so heart-wrenching. And so... With me, Dan Roselle, is John Fisher to talk about the weekend's games. And again, we were watching, we were going to this weekend watching for the Devils to have a better performance than they did against the Islanders on Thursday. And it's safe to say that in these two games, we got that from the Devils. The Devils we did. were in these games. The Devils had opportunities to win both of these games. In fact, in the third period of both these games, at some point, the score was tied or the Devils were leading. And again, they just... I think this weekend is a prime example of, you know, good teams when they don't play their best will still find ways to win, and bad teams when they give all the effort they need to give will find a way to make just enough mistakes to lose. And we saw examples of both of those things manifesting. And let's talk about the first game first, as the Devils locked down the Islanders for what felt like two straight periods until the wheels just came off. Well, I, I wouldn't call it that. I mean, the first period... Uh, on Saturday, you know, the Devils had out-attempted the Islanders something like 15 to 11, which is good, uh, but they got outshot like 3 to 7. Like, you know, accuracy was a bit of an issue in that period. But the Devils scored a goal. Pavel Zaka torched uh, Semon Var- Varlamov to open up the scoring. Hey, you're up one nothing. And maybe more impressively was that Blackwood, you know, shut down the Islanders' first power play because it wasn't like the penalty kill played well on that one. But the Devils penalty kill showed up and played more like the penalty kill that we've been seeing for the last five seasons on their second and what would eventually be their third and fourth penalty kills of that night. And the second period they played against the Islanders was a legitimately good one. Um, They, you know, yeah, they gave up an equalizer um, to Oliver Wallstrom. But, um, you know, I'm sorry, that was later in the first period. It was right after a penalty kill where Zaka took a shot on net. Palmieri and, and an Islander got somehow lost their edges and crashed hard in the back end boards. And, you know, it's a three on two the other way. Walsham just snipes the shot. Maybe Blackwood could have done better. I mean, that's a little harsh because it was a really good shot. It's one, one, but Hey, that's not so bad at considering what we saw on Thursday. And then on the second period, the devils go up after the devils really do well to start the period. And then the, the, uh, Sharon Govich and Kwakin in line, uh, pull, play their way out of a corner and, Sharon Govich hits the cross. I'm sorry, hits the post. Mm-hmm. Puck goes free. Kwakening dives to tap it in. Does so. You're up 2-1. And the Devils played really well in that second period. They killed penalties. The only thing that was kind of a downside was, well, their power play. But hey, you're up 2-1, so who cares? And then the third period came. And the best way I can describe Saturday's game, Dan, compared to what we saw this evening on Sunday, is that the Devils have no one to blame but themselves mm-hmm. for what happened in this third period. It was five bad minutes of Kiefer Bellows sunk them entirely. And the Islanders, as you know, are a completely different team playing with a lead than playing from behind. And if you let them get a lead, you're going to regret it. And when you let a guy who hasn't scored in the NHL walk in and score twice in five minutes, especially the second goal, which was inexcusable from so many different players, you're right. going to lose that game and deservedly so. Right. So in in particular, let let me talk a little talk through those two goals. Mm -hmm. So early on in the third period, 
there's a two-on-two development. Ty Smith and Damon Severson against Pat, um, sorry, Matt Barzal. I don't know why I almost called him Patrick. That would be weird. But Matt Barzal and the aforementioned Kiefer Bellows. Barzal, now mind you, Barzal's line was the only line that did any damage to the Devils in the run of play in this game. And Bellows is of note because he is replacing Anders Lee on that line since Lee was injured on Thursday night due to a collision with Zaka. So Barzell's charging forward. He seemingly beats Smith. He gets ahead of Smith, but Smith is trying his best to apply back pressure and not try to hook him or hold him, just keeping up with him. Severson, instead of picking up the other man mm -hmm. in Kiefer Bellows, decides, oh, no, it's Matt Barzell, and it looks like Smith is behind him. I got to go right to uh, Barzal. And just before Severson goes to Barzal, Barzal sees this and goes, ah, my teammate is open. He tosses a pass for Bellows to get onto. He takes a touch in open ice and rifles one past Blackwood. Mm -hmm. And everyone and their mother is now mad at Severson again. To be fair, Severson played a much better game on Saturday night, but that type of mistake might as well thrown any praise you would have had for the man out the window. Cause that was just a boneheaded decision it was a bad decision. There's a reason why they teach you not to do that. And if you do do that, you need to absolutely succeed. Otherwise, what happened then happened, and now it's 2-2. And then, a couple minutes later, you know, there is a common complaint, Dan, that the Devils aren't a physical team. Mm -hmm. And one of the few physical players on the team is Nathan Bastion. He's a big boy, Dan. He's beefy, I would say. Stocky, if you will. But Kiefer Bellows, who is not big and not stocky, made Bastion look like a chump, beats him inside, gets inside position on him, and cuts hard to the middle as if he was on a power move that you would expect from a larger player. And Sammy Vatnin. Now remember, on Thursday night, Dan, that Sammy Vatnin created a goal against the Devils by bumping a bigger Oliver Wallstrom into Blackwood. Yep. Like Oliver Wallstrom is a bigger man, a stronger man, a sturdier man than Sammy Vatnin, and Vatnin managed to, you know, Flex on him to the to the uh, detriment of the New Jersey Devils. Vatnin was in the perfect position to take Bellows. There were a lot of things he could have done there, Dan. He could have got a stick out. He could have took one step forward to take a hit from Bellows, like a charge, like you would see in basketball. Mm -hmm. He could have thrown his body forward like he was like he was going up against Wallstrom, except it wouldn't have to be going into the goaltender. He did none of these things, Dan. He literally did nothing. He stood there and watched Bellows round him and make it harder for Blackwood to stretch out. So Bellows scored, rounding the keeper. And now it's two to three. And the devil's response to this is basically to make some of the worst passes and worst decisions on the puck that you've seen in a while. After two good periods of good puck movement and good decision-making and good possession and keep-ins, it was far and few, few between when all the Devils needed was a goal. It, it took the Devils over 15 minutes of the third period to register their fourth shot on net. And it's not like the Islanders like shut them down. The Devils were basically gifting them pucks. So one, so the bad moves that I just described by Severson, by Bastion, by especially Vatanen, it was compounded. It was multiplied. It was exponentially um, calculated to guarantee an L because the Devils on the puck going forward, whether it was Jack Hughes, whether it was Pavel Zaka, whether it was Travis Zajac, you know, name a, name a forward, name a defenseman. They all made terrible passes in that third period. And it undercut the offense so severely that any hope of a comeback was not going to happen. And lo and behold, it didn't. 
And then the Devils lose in regulation. It's another loss to the Islanders. It's your 10th straight loss at home. Nobody among the people who matter was happy. And again, the power play goes not for, what, five yesterday? Um, as four. Th- four. Okay, they completely were dry as usual. And again, while special teams didn't lose them the game, they certainly didn't help them win. And like we've been saying, the penalty kill has actually been exceptional over the last two weeks. They've gone 27 for their last 30 on the penalty kill, which is good for a percentage of 90 um, in terms of killing penalties. But you can't fix one aspect of your game and have the others lag behind. And they paid the price for it on Saturday. Now, when we get to the Sunday game, I, I think this is one of the worst and most heartbreaking losses the Devils have experienced in my time watching them. And there have been plenty of, of heartbreaking losses, but this one had so much compounded on top of it that you said that the Saturday game was the Devils to blame, you know, the Devils themselves to blame. The Sunday game was not. And while, no. you know, the process to get to that point was largely because of Scott Wedgwood's play in net. And yeah, did he let in a soft second goal with one second to go in the first period? Sure. But he also stood on his head the rest of the game as the penalty kill continued to shut out the Islanders. The Devils even mm-hmm. found a power play goal through Yanni Kwakanen in the first period. Their to, first in forever. Mm-hmm, their first in 20, uh, 20, what, three or four opportunities. Um and they, it looked like they had put together a complete effort. And, you know, the omen for how this game would go probably happened around the third period when the game is tied 2-2. Um, that was after Sharon Govich tied it up with a shot from the slot. The game is tied 2-2 and the Devils win a faceoff. Off that faceoff, Nathan Bastion lightly bumps into an Islander. As the puck careens off of Subban's shot and hits Maltsev in front, it goes into the back of the net, but it's immediately called off for what... I would describe what you would describe, what Chico Resch described, and what Ken Danico described as maybe one of the worst interference calls they've ever seen. It was abhorrently bad. This was in no universe an interference call. He bumped into the guy, was skating forward still while the shot was delivered. There's nothing wrong with that. He wasn't even taking the Islander out of the play. And yet the refs thought they saw enough, and this is a theme that we'll see later on, to call Bastion, and luckily the Devils were not, you know, punished for that as the penalty kill stood still again and, you know, was sturdy and prevented the Islanders from taking the lead on that opportunity. And so we get to overtime after a really good end game effort from Scott Wedgwood again. And in overtime, P.K. Subban scores on a slap shot on a nice developed play from Zaka and Brat, 27 seconds in. At Devils are celebrating. It's the first home win in 10, in 11 opportunities. They have finally broken the curse. They have finally won a game with Steve Cangelosi back on the call since his absence as well. But no, the it, review was initiated by Toronto. Two linesmen at the game did not think the play was offsides, and yet someone in Toronto saw it and said, we can't have this. We cannot have the Devils win a single home game. And so they called it back because Jesper Bratt was less than a micrometer offside and even made an effort to get back. This is against the spirit of the rule. This makes no sense to anybody. Whether or not he actually was, he did not interfere in the play developing at that point, and it was a good five seconds, six seconds before the goal was scored. There is absolutely no reason and no definitive way to call that one back, but they decided to put it upon themselves and do so. 
And so the Devils also got another opportunity to win when Brock Nelson took a penalty in overtime. And they decided to go with four forwards, which is very exciting for overtime. But for some reason, one of those forwards was the extremely non-threatening Nikita Gusev. I don't know why he set up as the bumper on the uh, left circle to take shots, because everybody and their mother knows that he will not be taking a shot that is worth anything from that side. So they are covering Palmieri, who is down low, not really doing anything, including screening the goalie, and Hughes and Zaka are passing it among themselves. For what reason was Jesper Brad on the bench? It's really hard to say. But the Devils couldn't capitalize on that one. And to a shootout we go, John. How was that? So before, well, that was excellent. Dan. Now I do want to, I do want to add Ooh. some important facts. Yes. First and foremost, the referees of tonight's game were number 37, Pierre Lambert and number 44, Furman South. And I am hoping that as we're recording this, that both Lambert and South are getting their, um, getting the hairdryer treatment from a, a staff, uh, higher up of them among the referees union, because as you said, that call on Bastion was absolute garbage absolute it was never there was no intent to hurt there was no intent to upend cal clutterbuck it was literally as you described it it was coincidental contact we see it on faceoffs literally all the time like if you're going to call that interference there needs to be a penalty on literally every faceoff in the nhl mm-hmm. like this is almost like you know the old canard in football where you could say oh well you can call holding on any play like the fact that that call was made on its own was bad, and the fact that it happened during an offensive opportunity that ended up being a goal, ended up what would have been possibly the game-winning goal, mm-hmm. is absolute travesty. And then, the linesmen of tonight's game, Dan, were number 73, Von Rohde, and number 60, Libar Suchanik. And as you said, Dan, I don't know which one was on the line for the zone entry that Zaka made, but Bratt was about 50 to 60 feet away by the sidewalks. As you said, he had nothing to do with his own entry whatsoever. If he went over, he went over for a split second, realized his error, put his skate back on side. And as you said, it had nothing to do with the play as it developed. The fact that if he was ever over, it was by such a minute amount that neither Rody or Sachanik thought that it mattered. And more importantly... The, there was more than enough time in the play for the Islanders to make it happen. This wasn't a classic case of guy was way over the line to receive a pass and goes off on a breakaway. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's and it's a shame that this came from Toronto. They screwed PK Subban again. They screwed the Devils. I am hoping and praying. Maybe not praying. That's a bit much. But I am hoping that somebody on the New Jersey Devils right now is saying something that will warrant a fine from the league. And I hope. Equally, that Josh Harris and David Blitzer will say, don't worry about it. We got the fine because somebody needs to call out the guys in Toronto. That was an absolute hot garbage of an offside call. And as you said perfectly, Dan, the whole intent of the offside review is to make sure that you have good plays. But when you start breaking it down to such a minute amount, Mm -hmm. when it has nothing to do with the actual play, the actual scoring play, then you're just wasting everybody's time at best. And you're screwing teams over at worst. And that's exactly what happened to the Devils tonight. And as a third point, Dan, I'm glad you brought up Gusev. Because I'm going to be real with you, Dan. I have not missed Gusev when he was scratched. No. In in the losses that we have been discussing recently, and there have been a lot of them, Dan. At no point. You can check the tapes. You can check the files. <laughs> I have not said 
This team needs Nikita Gusev. No, you're this right. This team is shooting itself <laughs> in the foot because Nikita Gusev is not playing. At no point have I been saying that. And I know that you haven't been saying that, Dan. And I know that the people who matter have not been saying that on All About the Jersey. They're not saying it on Twitter. They might be saying it on Facebook. I don't know. They're weird over there. But they're not saying this. So, of course, Gusev makes everybody like myself look like an idiot by scoring the first shootout goal of the double season. And of his talents, that is the only one that is, you know, still consistent. He's 7 for 12 in his career on in the shootout. And you'd think, my goodness, he finally scored a goal that, you know, kind of mattered at a moment in time, and the Devils just couldn't find another one. They have no other shooters worth anything in the shootout, apparently. And the Islanders scored on their third attempt and their fourth Anthony attempt. Anthony Bouvelier. Yep, Anthony Bouvelier. And um, Oliver Wallstrom. Tied it up. Oliver Wallstrom won it. I mean, credit to Sorokun. You know, he made good stops. It wasn't like the Devils made terrible shooting decisions. It wasn't as bad as Matt Barzal, you know, um, you know, losing the puck, which is exactly what he did. You know, I'm sure Islanders fans, if they lost this game, they'd be pretty mad at Barzal not scoring on a shootout when it's, you know, bro, it's Matt Barzal. This is not the guy you should be yelling at. But, um, yeah, the Devils went to a shootout and they lost. And normally I would just say that sucks and just let's just move on. But again, the Devils got screwed out of this win. They should have won this game in regulation. Yep. They should have gotten the win in overtime at the least. Yep. Because that's a you know that's a scoring play, and for it to go to a shootout, and unfortunately the Devils couldn't get that second goal uh, from either uh, Zaka or Brat, mm-hmm. and um, that would have been really sweet. You know, you could say poetic justice. The Devils beat you know seven men on the ice, the, the five Islander skaters and the two referees, mm-hmm. but uh, unfortunately life is not fair, and the Islanders got an undeserved win to keep their winning streak going. And the Devils, you know, if this was just one random loss, we would say it sucks, but we'd move on from it. But this isn't just any type of loss, Dan. This is the 11th straight loss at the Prudential Center this season. The Devils started 2-0-1 at home. That's right. They have not won a game at home since January 24th against the Islanders when Wedgwood shut them out. Wedgwood put in a fantastic performance, you know, second goal against all otherwise, he did the he did his job. He more than made up for his error. Blackwood played very well in, on Saturday, so you can't say the goaltending hasn't hasn't you know has let them down. But it's either bad mistakes by guys who should know better, whether it's actions or inactions, as as we saw on Saturday night, and then tonight it's referees, it's the situation room, and you know at some point it's a breaking point. I I mean I'm I'm. I've watched a lot of games, Dan. You've watched a lot of games. You know, over time, you get less and less salty about losses because, you know, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of them. But I'm salty after this one. Yeah, I'm very salty. And also, I'm wondering what the fallout will be from this game overall because this feels very reminiscent of the situation the Devils experienced that, you know, fateful weekend in Buffalo. Two Islanders players were pulled right before the game started. J.G. Pajot and Noah Dobson both hit the COVID protocol list right before the start of this game. And this coincides with the fact that the Devils had some players on Binghamton also test for COVID and they share a building. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to trace. 
And Butcher's on the COVID protocol list right now for his third straight day. And it's pretty easy to trace that back to, you know, the Islanders being the Devils building. I mean, the Islanders now have a nine-game win streak with four of those wins coming against the Devils, and I think three of them coming against the Sabres. So congratulations to them. They absolutely did not deserve this one as much as they deserved the ones on Thursday and Saturday. But like I said, good teams find ways to win, and then sometimes they get help. And bad teams who, you know, the league has no interest in promoting or um, they have no interest in seeing them succeed will find a way to kind of put the screws to them. And I'm, you know, I'm saying this because I'm bitter and I don't think there's this grand conspiracy, but it's certainly starting to feel that way. And I, it's it's so in a season that's already been so miserable, an effort like that where the Devils really try their all, they perform on special teams for the first time on every single aspect of special teams they kill it was a net positive the net positive special teams for the first time in god knows how long they managed to stick with the top team in their division for two days straight and they're still playing their exhausting four games in six schedule and they just didn't get the result and it just feels so much worse the way it happened today than yesterday even though the scores were identical it just feels all that much worse and the fact that they're the second team i think ever to have an 11 game home losing streak uh i dread the next home game because if they make it 12 there are going to be some very 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 unhappy fans in that building right as more and more are being allowed at the games and what's worse than angry fans dan is fans who check out Mm -hmm. and i think we're getting closer to a point where fans are literally checking out and and to be honest dan can you blame them no not at all i mean I mean, to be fair, the Devils, you know, have an aching for a winner. It's it's weird. Like a decade ago, the argument would have been, oh, well, this team's good, but they got to do it in the playoffs. You know, that would be the level of expectation. Mm-hmm. And to that extent, 2012 was sort of like a revelation, you know. But the sad thing is that 2012 is getting closer to being a decade away. Yep. And we're looking like we we're effectively into year six of the rebuild. That doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon. And we have no idea if they're really making progress. And as much as I could sit here and look at the stats and say, tell you, oh, well, here they're doing better here. They're doing better there. They're not doing better here. They're not doing better there. You know, like what we do on the blog and what we do on this podcast. But the harsh reality is that improved processes need to have some results at some point. And guess what? 11 winless games at home? Ain't it, man. Yeah. The shootout loss is sadly the best result the Devils have had at home. They've lost all their other games at home in regulation. They didn't go to overtime. They didn't go to a shootout. Um, and on top of that, you know, because you're playing so many games, it, you know, I have to tell you, guess what? It was last Sunday when the Devils won a game. And even that game, you know, Wedgwood had to play it out of his mind. That's how he got back into the goaltending rotation because he had that shutout in Boston. And the Devils scored a goal off Kyle Palmieri's knee, and that was enough to win. And the harsh reality is that in the past few games, the Devils do get some good scoring opportunities and finishing them, but it's never enough. Um, Tonight, it was because the officials and the powers that be didn't want it to happen. And on Saturday, you know, the Devils shot themselves in the foot yet again in a third period that if they just played similar to the second period, they'd probably come away with a much-needed W. And the sad thing here, Dan, is that their next three games are at home. They play Buffalo on Tuesday. If they lose that game, Dan, it's not going to be anger. It's going to be apathy. It's going to be, I'm out of here. It's going to be, I'm not watching any more games until this gets better. It's going to be, I'm not buying any more tickets. And to be fair, Dan, you can buy tickets, which in of itself is a little telling. I mean, yeah, we're in a global pandemic. Vaccines are still being rolled out in New Jersey. But the fact of the matter is, 
fans aren't stupid. They know when teams are worth watching, and this team has not proven itself to be worth watching, especially when they're at the Rock. So Tuesday's win, you know, pretty much any home win, at, I'm sorry, any home game at this point might as well be a must-win game. But if you can't beat Buffalo, a team that literally doesn't have enough scouts in their scout department, where it has their top player, apparently he played with a cracked rib and the coach felt he was fine or, or some sort of miscommunication. Like, I don't know how it's going on there, but it's just a tire fire. If you lose that game to Buffalo... You know, it, it's going to be terrible. The Jack Eichel-less think... Buffalo. I want to reiterate your point there because before, you know, he's a game breaker. He's someone who can just win the game for Buffalo even when they don't deserve it. And they have a couple of those in, you know, players who have not been performing anywhere close to what they're capable of. But there is no Jack Eichel in this game. If you lose no. this and go to 12 straight losses at home... You are absolutely right. It is not anger anymore. It is not sadness. It is just apathy. It is just walking right. away from this team until there is some sign that there's change in the organization. And, you know, again, you can also attribute all of this misfortune and misery to um, the fact that it's a COVID season. It's something that has been greatly impacting the Devils in terms of their schedule of play. And I'm sure it's factoring into a lot of their mental state as well. And a lot of strain has been placed on them. And so if you want to call that a punt year, then fine. But you have to show signs that there's some sort of improvement. And that is not something we've seen enough of. And there's too many anchors. There are just too many veteran players who are not pulling their weight. Kyle Palmieri had another chance to win it in overtime, right on the doorstep and missed the puck. He just, he is so, he's emblematic of this team's struggles. It's not only snake bitten, but also bad. That's right. And and let's say for the sake of argument, Dan, that maybe they win that game on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You know what? They finally end the home losing streak. We're all happy. They won a game at home. You know, they can say they're better than Buffalo because at this point of the season, if you're not better than Buffalo, you're right. There needs to be changes in the organization. However, it's not going to get any better after Tuesday's game because barring any COVID issues, barring any other rescheduling, the Devils will finally play the Pittsburgh Penguins for the first time this season. On Thursday night. And unfortunately, Pittsburgh has turned their season around. If Jenny Malkin has appeared, Sidney Crosby has continued to show that he's Sidney Crosby. Tristan Jerry has been hot. In other words, Pittsburgh's back to being a good team again. Three and of the will... four teams with the longest current winning streaks in the NHL play in the East Division. That's right. Pittsburgh they swept their one week of them. last week. Yep, they swept their week last week. And it's because of that sweep. Um, they are, you know... They're, they're, they can start putting some pressure on the Capitals and the Islanders for first in the East. I'm sure Pittsburgh would love to have their designs on that, especially after how they started the season. And so the Devils will not have an easy time on Thursday, nor on Saturday, because the Devils get to play them twice in a row. In fact, I take it back. They play them three times in a row. Mm -hmm. They get to play Pittsburgh back-to-back -back this weekend. So, so, like I said, Tuesday's a must-win game, because I don't have a whole lot of confidence that the Devils are going to get a W against Pittsburgh unless the Devils, you know, see a black a team wearing black and yellow and go, oh, we got yeah. this, and somehow pull a win, um, an unexpected win out of their you know wares. Yeah. And that seems like where that seems like where exactly where they're going to have to reach to find a win at this point, because they're not finding it anywhere else. There there are nope. no answers anywhere. And again, as one aspect gets better and the penalty kill has not only gotten better, it's gotten back to a level that is dare I say respectable. This is something that 
has been such a dramatic shift just in these last few weeks. And in games against Washington, the Islanders three times, Boston, they they lock those teams down on the penalty kill, which is not something we ever expected to hear the Devils doing. This is, it's it's crazy to me that they, you know, that they actually found a rhythm here and just in time for the power play to completely suffer, just in time for so many other aspects of their play to fall apart. And it's, you just wonder when everyone's patience is going to run out. And again, I don't know that a win today would have helped the overall situation, but I know it would have made everyone feel better. Yeah, and at this point of the season, you know, let's be real, Dan. This they're not there. There's no playoff hope here. Yeah. Not that we expected it to be at the start of the season, but there definitely isn't anymore. Yeah. But you still need to win occasionally to give people a reason to care, to give people a reason to check you out. You know, read hockey blogs like all about the Jersey. Listen to podcasts like the Garden State of Hockey. Like, you you, you still need to do right by yourselves, especially if you're a guy like Palmieri or Gusev or Zajac, where you're playing for a contract, whether you like it or not. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you have to, and basic professionalism in, in a sport like this commands that you put in a good effort and try to do your best, even when the situation is not ideal. Um, because if you don't, you know, your, your career tends to go awry uh-huh. and not for, you know, it's not a conspiracy. You know, if you start playing like a loser, this may shock you. Teams don't want to sign you. So, you know, you, you, you got to get some wins here and there. You know, you can't be rolling off one win and then lose your next four. Um, you know, the Washington game, that was an overtime loss where the Devils made a spirited comeback. Fine. The Islanders game on Thursday was hot garbage for two periods, and the Devils, you know, shot themselves in the foot repeatedly with stupid errors that you don't need Hall of Fame talent or top draft picks to fix. You just need to do your job. And we saw that again on Saturday in the third period where, again, you don't need top-level talent to do your job, and it cost them in the third period of that game for a 3-2 loss. And then games like Sundays, well, as we have, we, as we have indicated many times, that that's not the one you get super mad about. You're just beyond frustrated because it's like, what more do you want to get that, fi- that final W? That's where the Devils are right now, and the fans want that W. And I'm sure people in ownership and management would like that W, so this way they can understand that – you know, they don't need to blow it up a third time. It's just, it's just so cur- like curse is the only word I can say for this game. Every part of this experience, starting with the interference call on Bastion, was just cursed. I think, I don't know. the The misfortune is, it's very difficult to quantify at this point. So hopefully they perform better against Buffalo. And we're going to say it for the third straight week, but hopefully we have a more positive podcast experience to bring you at the end of next week. Hopefully they can find some sort of rhythm against Buffalo that they carry in against Pittsburgh, who, for the first time this season, is a fresh opponent for them. It's someone who has not had the chance to thoroughly study them three games in a row, and by the time the third game rolls around, I'm not expecting much, but maybe in the first game they can surprise them. Who knows? Who's to say? Well, we can only hope. Get them out of the rock. Where... Well, after the 20th, they'll be out of the rock for the rest of the month. Yep. So maybe the win- maybe the losing will end as of March 21st. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's been our time on Garden State of Hockey. Thank you for listening and commiserating with us. We appreciate the time. Um, you know, hang in there. This season was going to be a punt regardless, and it's turning out to be extremely worthy of that title. So... 
honestly, let's just look ahead to what the team might look like in the future and start focusing on some of the more exciting prospects on the way up and start figuring out who belongs on this team and who does not anymore. So all that being said, thank you again for joining us, and we will see you at the end of next week. Let's go Devils! Go Devils! (sighs) 